You're listening to SequelCast 2 and Friends, a proud part of the Greenlit Podcast Network. This is a vintage episode of SequelCast 2 and Friends. Audio quality may not be up to current standards. We apologize for the nastier audio artifacts. We watched every movie last year. We rated every kiss and every tear. We saw Tom Cruise sucking blood. Meg Ryan hit the booze. We saw 13 with you, Brent. And 7 by John Hughes. The critic is a mystery. No one knows why it thinks. Except for Jay Sherman. Who always says... It stinks! <laughs> How awkward. Hello and welcome to Shermometer Critiquing the Critic, a show looking at the acclaimed 90s animated show The Critic starring John Lovitz. This is our special episodes. We'll do one of these a month and uh, on a different topic, you know, somewhat related to The Critic. This time around, we're going to look at the esteemed career of John Lovitz. He voices The Critic on The Critic, but he's also had a career spanning uh, spanning decades. And, and unlike some... Saturday Night Live alums. He's been working consistently since his time off Saturday Night Live, showing up in movies and, and TV shows and, and so forth. Um, want to give out a special thanks to Sean Franson and a very special thanks to Peter Monks. They chipped in to our Indiegogo campaign at the levels required to receive these little special thanks at the start of each episode. With me is William Thrasher. Hello, hello, listeners. And we have a... Special guest, you might recall him back when we did the sequel cast, Jason Aarons. Welcome. Hey, everybody. You're in Savannah, Georgia still, is that right? I'm still in Savannah, Georgia, though I will be traveling up to New Jersey by the time this is released. Uh, going to see family? Yes, I'm going to be taking care of my father while he gets a little bit of eye surgery. Hmm. Well, very good. Um, not good that he's having eye surgery. Well, I suppose it is good. I suppose he's... No, but it's good to see family. I'm going to be able yeah, to be yeah, up exactly. there and see family and right, some friends. Right. That's enough to say that. Yep. Uh, no, so, I think I think we can put a few more qualifiers on this if we really try. <laughs> well, it's not like I'm touring. I'm not going up there. You won't be able to go see me at any signings or clubs that I'll be playing. That's funny. Um, so, John Lovitz, when is the first time you ever saw John Lovitz in anything? Uh, for for me, and I didn't know it was John Lovitz at the time. It wasn't until going back to it several years later that I realized it was John Lovitz. Uh, but it would be in the uh, animated film The Brave Little Toaster. Mm. Mm. That, that, so that was a Disney cartoon. No, no, it wasn't a Disney cartoon. It was independently produced. It just aired constantly on the first iteration of the Disney Channel. Well, and Disney released it through their home video label. Um, so there's that. Um, it was based on oh, a, a book, a I believe. Uh, Jason, what about you? I think for me... Uh, because I grew up uh, at a very young er, age with Comedy Central. It was the reruns of SNL. Because I wasn't allowed to, wait, uh, to be up late enough to watch SNL, it was always Sean Lovitz in the, uh, the 90s era. Uh, him and that cast of Phil Hartman, of course, uh, David Spade, sure. uh, Chris Farley. It was during that time period, but they would replay them in hour blocks instead of an hour and a half. And I always thought that's how SNL was. Did they cut out the musical guest or something like that? I think they played either, like, if it wasn't a musical guest that was, like, insanely popular, they'd have, like, one or two of them, two of the breaks they would play. Well, the thing the thing that always infuriate me, at least when it was on Comedy Central, is that they would keep in both musical performances, but then cut out, like, two to three sketches. 
Yes, that's all, that's what it was. Thank you. Often, so it would be really jarring where you'd get like two, three sketches, then a musical act, then a sketch, then another musical act. Right. Um, for me, I, I'm really trying to think, and I think it, I'm the same with you, Thrasher. I think it was Brave Little Toaster where he did the voice of the radio. But, you know, and then after that, it would have been something like League of Their Own. But I remember being very excited about The Critic being a cartoon because it starred John Lovitz, who was one of my favorite comedians at the time. Unfortunately, I couldn't remember why I thought he was one of my favorite comedians at the time. Um, but at the time, I, I had fallen in love with him because I had, I had seen him on, at that point, had seen him on SNL several times. But uh, I was a huge fan of his uh, guest work on The Simpsons. Well, uh, Jason, can you pull up John Lovitz on the Internet Movie Database? Of course. And uh, what, what I suggest we do is let's look at his roles as an actor. We're not going to go through every one because there's like 88 of them, uh, some of which have not come out yet. But just we could sort of point out which ones we've seen. I've made some notes about the big ones that I've seen him in, and uh, I think that'll be a good way to to give a fair assessment of, of his career. And then we'll move on to our other... Um, segments of the show uh so we already mentioned brave little toaster also around that time you had big and jumping jack flash where again he was playing a bit part but he was there to deliver like a funny line or two sure and we should mention he was on snl from 85 to 90 and uh i, I recall i read a um a phil hartman biography called i'm just looking up the uh the name of the book here because i, I want to give credit to the author is that uh, you might remember me. That's exactly it. It's you might remember me. The life and times mm-hmm. of Phil Hartman by uh, Mike Thomas. Um, have either of you fellows read this one? Sadly, no. I, I I've only read. Yeah, I've only read the SNL book uh, Live from New York. That's great. That's like the thousand-page oral history of um, SNL. Uh, but yeah, um, the the Phil Hartman biography. You might remember me. The life and times of Phil Hartman by Mike Thomas is. Um, it has a really interesting story about, you know, how Phil Hartman and John Lovitz knew each other originally, and it was through the Groundlings, which is a famous improv group in Los Angeles. And Phil Hartman was sort of the older member of the Groundlings. And they Actually, were like, it was out of uh, Chicago, wasn't it? Um, well, Groundlings, I think, started in Chicago, but I believe they were both in the L.A. Uh, chapter. They were in the L.A. chapter. Um, and, I mean, of course, a lot of comedians came out of Chicago as well on SNL. But... Uh, anyway, in the L.A. chapter of of the Groundlings, be that as it may, um, Phil Hartman was the more senior guy there. He was the only guy there that owned his own house. He uh, he owned his own car, and it was a, a new car, which right, made him yeah, the envy yeah. of all the other comedians. And he was an artist. He was a really amazing uh, graphic designer. He, he, yeah, he did the covers of some uh, some rock albums that were, were pretty famous at the time. And... Um, you know, I hear the, the male lead in Xanadu is based on him. <laughs> uh, uh, the, the point was is that uh, Phil Hartman was everyone thought he was going to get on Saturday Night Live first and instead it was John Lovitz who was a, a relatively new member of um, of the Groundlings of the Groundlings thank you and Phil Hartman came on later but when they brought on John and they were doing auditions next year he said you've got to have Phil come on and in fact if you look on YouTube you can see Phil Hartman's audition and John Lovitz comes up to help him for a scene Oh, um, wow. Uh, it, it's well worth your time. Phil Hartman is so relaxed. At one point, he smokes a cigarette to be in character, and then he keeps on smoking it. Part of the audition is in French. Part of it, he does an extended Jack Nicholson impersonation. 
Um, I think he does Jack Nicholson speaking French. I think that might be one of his bits. <laughs> and then he does Jack Nicholson speaking German. Like it's it's a very funny, very uh, very good Phil Hartman uh, thing. But you know Phil Hartman and John Lovitz. Um, uh, I recall shortly after Phil Hartman died, they did an SNL anniversary special, and John Lovitz did a pretty good uh, moving speech about how they were brothers, really. And and, um, and I, that that was not a joke. That was something that was clearly very true and that's something in that book uh, you might remember me the life and times of phil hartman by mike thomas goes into that so if you like lovitz i think you also get a kick out of that book and i mean the both of them were in a lot of sketches and also they together i don't think you can talk about one without talking about the other the other and i do wonder with phil hartman what his career would have liked uh, had he not been murdered i think uh, you know he might have done uh, serious uh. parts you know um because i'm sure he would have had that part of his career yeah because on snl he they called him the glue because he was in all the the scenes, right? He he was a uh, could always play any part you needed to even if, even if it was like the boring like basal exposition type part, but he could just always do it with such a plum. But then when well, he, his movie career started, he didn't really have you know a, a lot of amazing roles. But he, but I have to say though, he was kind of the glue. There are parts like um, I'll, I'll go with House uh, quite a terrible movie. Oh. Um, the no, 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 not Houseguest. Uh, Jingle, Jingle All the Way. Yes, yeah, sure. He's kind of the glue because he's just this this guy who comes on every once in a while to remind Arnold Schwarzenegger that he's a terrible father and that his neighbor's going to fuck his wife. Yeah, I and really like comedy. I really like your wife's cookies. Yeah, oh, they're so good. Yeah, he 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 was a, he got a lot of the 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 best uh, smarmy uh, neighbor parts. Um, <laughs> although if if John if uh, Phil Hartman is the glue, then I think that makes John Lovitz the gears because he will grind every last ounce of laughter out of a bit. Yeah, I mean, let's talk about John Lovitz on on SNL for a, a bit. I think before we talk about his films, um, John Lovitz certainly was more about having characters that he did. The the liar was a big one of his first characters that really hit it off big on SNL. Well, like, Master of Thespian. I, yeah, Master think, of Thespian. Well, I think the liar the was was the the breakout character because that was the one that got it that was like on bootleg t-shirts at the time. That's right. I mean, for years John Lovitz was angry at Lauren Michaels um because Lauren Michaels promised him a liar movie and then that never happened. Well, I mean, Do you I think he was really angry yeah. um because, because it really the development never really I, I can't imagine that, that movie that being character. developed. Right. But at the same time, look at it's Pat. <laughs> I, I, I think a no, Master don't... Thespian movie, I think you could have done that. Oh. Know, if you were to do one of his characters. Uh, I think, no, I don't think so. You I think, think that's so. the Just problem. The only one that's successful has been Wayne's World. Look at, uh, oh God, let's see. Oh, uh, Coneheads. Oh, God. Uh, Blues There's... Brothers. That Blues was Coneheads a... is well remembered. Yeah, and and Blues Brothers is a classic, but Blues Brothers too. Night at the Roxbury too. is okay. Um, but what's yeah. the one I'm thinking of? Um, oh God, ladies uh, man. yes, Super, Ladies Man, Superstar. That's what I think the uh, Master Thespian would have gone down as mm. as something akin to sure. Ladies Man. I mean, we see, I I would love I would love a movie about Evelyn Quince from Tales of Ribaldry. <laughs> oh yes, no, I no, would have yeah, I, again sure. an hour long. <laughs> the problem is sketches shouldn't be more. Than like seven minutes. Well, I think that's what the, movie, what the movie should be, if I might pitch something, is that Evelyn Quince is the host of a public television show, or maybe even a BBC show from the 70s, called Tales of Ribaldry. And so we do get some of the full, we do get new full Tales of Ribaldry sketches, 
but then the rest of the movie is him dealing with backstage politics at the BBC. Well, wait, but then you get then you get um uh oh god, Stuart saves his family. That's a good movie. That has a lot of heart. Ugh. I mean, what I would do if I were pitching a, a John Lovitz film on the uh, Tales of Ribaldry character <laughs> is I would go the hack route and make it where somehow he like time travel. He gets sucked into one of his ribald stories <laughs> and, and, and he's like disgusted that all these people are, you know, it's like because he's reading the stories, he likes it when they don't have sex. But somehow when he gets sucked into the story, he is the object of desire. The women all want him. And he just gets very, uh, very Twitter pated, very nervous. They all um, want John Levitz. I could see that. That would be amusing. Stop taking uh, off my pants. What are you doing, you harlot? See, oh, now I'm thinking of what's that awful movie where they travel back in time by jumping off a bridge? Is that, the one, with Hugh, is that the one with Hugh Jackman? Yeah. Oh, um, I, I know what you mean. And they, and they make oh. a penis joke about the. Uh, Not a Winter's Tale. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> Ugh, whatever. Winter is it, is like it the one about the two nights based on that Luke Besson movie? No, 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 no. That's, oh, no. Uh, back to John Lovitz. Well, <laughs> yeah, actually, you guys will learn more about um, him yeah. developing characters and a lot about more of his SNL days. He did a podcast uh, called the ABCs of uh, SNL, SNL, SNL with uh, Kevin Smith. Yeah. And that talks a lot about his time and talks about some of the people who were awful to work with and some of the people that he really had a, a great time working with and then that whole the thing fair. where he <laughs> where he was working and basically he was the only one brought forward from an entire cast that's right because he initially was on um in the 80s you know the dark years as they say when, the when lauren michaels season. was a few lost seasons with that but yeah lauren michaels was not running the show and yeah at, at the last sketch of that season there was a Michael fu- C. Hall. Yeah, there was like a fire, and everyone died except for John Lovitz was the only one that got out alive. Well, yeah, because like, they died. John Cusack died. Says, John, wait in the car. Yeah, <laughs> and at the time he didn't realize what was going on, and people were very angry when they were rehearsing the sketch. And it wasn't until later he was like, "Oh, that's what that was about." Um, yeah, how can he be so blind? Uh, it's, maybe he's yeah. trying to make himself look good. I don't know. Like, but uh, in another early role for John Lovitz, I think he's really good in is a Tales from the Crypt episode where he plays Barry Bly, and it involves John Lovitz and um, the guy that played Tron. Jeff Bridges? Not No, Jeff Bridges didn't play Tron. Um, <laughs> oh, the guy who actually played Tron. Yes. He was also in Babylon 5. I'm going to look this shit Not up. Billy Moomy. Bruce Boxleitner. <laughs> Ah, who could forget yes. a name like that? Um, Th- thank you for getting to the name before before I said Walter Ko- Koenig. <laughs> <laughs> but Bruce the Tales from the Crypt episode, you, you meant you know it's about these two actors who are doing a Shakespeare play, and John Lovitz gets jealous because he thought he was going to be Hamlet, but he's like soldier number three, and so <laughs> it, it's a whole bunch of like misunderstanding, and he ends up killing the other guy by accident, and um, it, it it's a pretty you know funny performance. You see John Lovitz do his overblown Shakespearean shtick. But you also get to see him be like kind of like a, a an obsessed killer, which you don't see very much. Huh. No, imagine. Wait, no, imagine this, guys. John Lovitz doing uh, basically kind of like um, oh god, the terrible Doctor Phoebes and killing people in these dramatic Shakespearean ways while being the master thespian. Well, you know, there's a um, a Vincent Price movie called Theater of Blood. Yes. Have you seen yeah. it? Where it's sort of that same idea, where it's uh, 
sort of an over-the-hill older actor, and he murders all of his critics in the manner of different Shakespeare plays. Um, oh, that's right. That, that came up a uh, lot in Vincent Price. It's also a Madhouse. And both of those, he's a washed-up B-movie actor yeah. who they're going to make a new movie with his most famous character, but then people associated with the movie start dying in the movie's death traps. I think Madhouse had um, Vincent Price and uh, Peter Cushing. I or, believe it did. It might, it might have been a Hammer picture. I'm not sure about that part of it. Mm. But, um, so, I mean, yeah, he did. In retrospect, uh, on the ABC's of SNL show, John Lovett says it a lot. He wishes he would have done SNL for a few more seasons. And he says the reason why he left is because he was getting some bigger movie roles. And at the time, Lauren Michaels kept a close leash and said you couldn't really do major parts in movies during the summer or things that would interfere with the show. Of course, that's different. That doesn't happen that much now. But well, I was looking. Do you know? I, I just figured out why he was in Jumping Jack Flash and Big. Why? He was good friends with Pe- uh, Penny Marshall. Oh, of course. Okay. And she, she was sure. the director of both those movies. But I know that she was a good friend of his uh, while he was on SNL. I'm trying to remember if he said he was friends with her before. I think he had met her before because of the Groundlings. Um, and yeah, she was putting him in movies. And I kept getting off of things like... Uh, oh God, my stepmother's an alien. He's in. Well, and then you talk uh, about uh, Penny Marshall. I mean, he had a pretty, um, a, a, a well-reviewed supporting role in a League of Their Own. Yes, and, that I love that and, character. As Ernie Cappadino, he also reprised that role in the League of Their Own TV series. Why? Which Why? only lasted a season. I didn't even know they did a TV show. Ugh, neither did I. I hope it's well, not animated. <laughs> well, you want to. Dig into some real obscura. Uh, he's play John Lovitz plays Levitz in the Paper Chase TV series from 1984. What? Yes, that's his first uh, credited role according to IMDb. That's um. But what I Tell was, was is the big then. yeah it was different. The big picture that he left SNL for because he he thought the script was brilliant. He get to play the bad guy. Mom and Dad save the world. He oh. played Emperor Todd Spengo. Wait, was that really why he left? Yeah. Ugh. Or, or one I mean, of the big reasons. Starring He's role. hilarious. Eric Idle. No, is it Eric Idle who's it's, in it's, that? No, it's Jeff. Yes. Uh, well, yes. And then uh, Jeffrey Jones is. Uh, well, let's not talk about Jeffrey Jones uh, and Terry Garr. Um, not a terrible movie. Well, it's, <sighs> it's a movie. It's a, it's a particular kind of comedy because uh, John Lovitz is absolutely the best thing in that movie. And I love that he and pretty much everyone in the movie takes everything completely seriously. True. But the thing that movie does so well is having, like, setting up one joke and then hitting every permutation of that joke. Don't tell me you didn't crack up with the light grenade. Oh, God, the light. Oh, God. Oh, man. (laughs) It makes you angry, but you did laugh. You're angry at your laughter. I did. The costumes are, are quite fun in the movie. I got to see a, a small part of it. I didn't have time to watch the whole picture. And they had the dog head they had the dog creatures who were like a subservient race. And the fish people. Yeah, the fish oh, people. Weird mushrooms oh, and God. sewers. But you know, like That's one scary. thing that um John Lovitz has mentioned in interviews is a you know, the first draft of the script of Mom and Dad Save the World was done by Ed Solomon, who was one of the writers on Bill and Ted's excellent adventures. Oh, and yeah. then and then the script continued to be rewritten so it became more um, more for children, more dumbed down. And in the final edit, there's a lot of voiceover. There's a lot of goofy sound effects. The score is especially childish. And apparently it had a bit more bite, a bit more edge to the, the humor originally. 
hey, if, if you if anyone out there can get us the original draft of the script for this movie, sure. send it to us. <laughs> I would love to do a live read. Right, that's exactly right. Um, this does have, have one of my favorite bits though, where like they do the whole Trojan horse, where they hide a whole army in a giant bust of uh, Emperor Spengo, and. John Lovitz's or his whole reason for bringing it into the palace is that doesn't look a thing like me. Bring it into the palace so everyone can see how little it looks like me. <laughs> it's not again. Every line he delivers in that movie is gold because he's delivering it. Only John Lovitz could have delivered lines like that in such a way. Do I wear the goatee or the mutton chops today? <laughs> he's um. <laughs> He had a really big part in City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. Good movie. Yes. Again, but also it was an extension of his liar character. It's a person who can't shut up. It's a person who kind of has to lie to make himself look big, but then also can't help but talk big to others. I mean, that's also one of the main plot points is that he's lying about his uh his job, he like lost his job, and that's one of the reasons that he wants to be out there with his brother. Well, you know why he wasn't in the. You know why he's in the sequel. Why recall, is he in the sequel? Recall that in the original, one of the uh, three people was um, the character of Ed Ferrillo, played by Bruno Kirby. Sure. Apparently, on the set of City Slickers, Bill Billy Crystal made a joke that was so offensive to Bruno Kirby that he refused to speak or work with Billy Crystal again for many years. What? And because of that, he wouldn't do the sequel, and they got John Lovitz to, um, you know, be the third, you know, the second <sighs> banana in City Slickers 2, Legend of Curly's Gold. What? Was he doing, was he doing his, uh, his blues man impression? I knew that you could. Ah, ah. Oh, gross. How about that? One of the cast members in City Slickers 2 is Josh Mostel, son of Zero Mostel. You'd think his name would be one Mostel, because you'd count up. Uh, Boom! Oh, boy. You you laughed at the light grenade! Don't you boo me! That's because the light grenade wasn't your joke. (laughs) Oh, you son of a... Wow. Wow. We will have a duel, sir. Anyone else (laughs) remember Trapped in Paradise? I remember the trailers for Trapped in Paradise. I remember good movie, but I think, um, oh, God, not, uh, not, oh, sh- who, who are the brothers? It's, uh, it's Nicholas Cage. Cage, Dana Carvey, and John Lovitz. Well, now Dana I got Carvey to see, makes that see movie. those three play off of each other. When Dana Carvey does, Dana Carvey's basically doing his best Bruce Willis, and he sounds exactly like my cousin, because my cousin sounds just like Bruce Willis, and he has that same kind of slow way of talking with that with that awesome accent and that movie that movie is fun to watch but only because of carvey and dana i did you say carvey and dana? oh i'm sorry dana carvey and john lovitz yeah I, I recall nicholas cage was uh in some interview he mentioned he was so depressed on the set of trapped in paradise that he wanted to kill himself um, oh, fuck. <laughs> allegedly so it's allegedly for the lawyers. Yeah, that's right. I was but, so I mean, Nicholas Cage is the weird. It's kind of weird when you think of it now. But then, like, he did comedies at that time. Remember, like, Raising Arizona, and um, he's actually quite good at comedies given the chance. He's good at comedies if the directors know how to edit. And if he has that's really true good, of uh, if he has of, a really that's good true. script, I think you know, um, Nicholas Cage has like one good performance every seven years. Oh wow. And Trapped in Paradise is not one of those. Um, 
I like to think it's like a Star Trek movie. The even-numbered Nicolas Cage movies are the good ones. Uh, Nicolas Cage is is quite good in Ghost Rider: Spirit of Vengeance, which is the second. This Ghost is Rider not film. the Cage cast. No, it's not the Cage cast. So let's, although let's let's keep on marching on. The critic, we're obviously talking about this in this whole series. But Jason, is there something you'd like to say about J, uh, John Lovitz on the critic? Uh, again, I came under the critic uh, because of Comedy Central. Um, I watched the episodes uh, whenever I could. Uh, I really, I really like John Lovett's voice. There's something about his voice; it's, it's, it's Jewy, yes. and it has, it has. Spoke- no, 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 no. It, for me, for me, as a, as a, as a, as a Jew, um, it has just that right amount of, of New York sophistication, New York brass. And and just the the way that it can turn a phrase, there's something very classical about his voice, even though it's a little like higher register. There's just something very classical about the way he delivers a line, even if he's like been insulted, and then he has to come back from that insult. Uh, the way he the way he ends a sentence on like a higher register, yes, is something like that. Like a, we neglected to mention his work on The Simpsons. Where he was, uh, Artie Zeff, I think, was his most notable part. Artie Zeff. He was Artie Zeff. He was a Greek nuclear power plant owner. Uh, he, of course, played Jay Sherman on The Simpsons. Yes. On the one episode of The Simpsons, Matt Groening took his credit away from. Uh, I think we're going to have to do an episode about that when no, the time it, comes. Yeah, no, that'll, that'll be its own episode. That's my dog with the squeak toy in the background. Don't mind that. Um, high School High. Perhaps uh, the only movie where John Lovitz was like the main lead, where he's well, a you know, star. Wait, hold on. Is that true? Um, I mean, it's a star vehicle for John Lovitz. I'm not saying he's not in a lot of movies because he know, is. A star- it's also a sucker oh. film. At least in at least thirty percent of it is. That's right. Yeah. Uh, well, it's this, not directed by a Zucker, but it's written by uh, David Zucker, who's one of the writers. This is a movie I always meant to see, and I've seen probably eighty percent of it in random slices on cable throughout the years. But I've never seen this movie all the way through, which is a shame, <laughs> possibly, because I do believe the whole genre of uh, idealistic teacher uh, re- revolutionizes and uplifts an inner city high school. That is a genre that needs some of the stuffing taken out of its shirt. <laughs> like, stand by me. No, you mean lean on me. Wait, wait. If that was no, Stan, it would be a different movie. You kids need to get off the crack, but first, let me show you a dead body in the woods. Okay, true. Um, High School High, I saw in the theater. It was not oh, a crowded oh. theater. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, you know, I think... To myself. I recall it having a lot of good <laughs> jokes in it. You know, Mackay Pfeiffer, who, who would later be in things like 8 Mile... It was in this as a younger man. Um, I, I like the joke where a guy has the, uh, I don't even know what you call it, geez. The, not Corners? dreadlocks. The Yeah, the, the crows on oh, his corn, head. Cornrows. Cornrows. The cornrows on his head. Cornrows. When I see an elephant fly. Uh, <laughs> oh, Lord. No, stop right there. Stop right there. When, no, but he has the uh, cornrows on his head. And he turns, and you see a little tiny police car driving in between the cornrows. Uh, oh, so it's isn't a, it chasing a getaway car? I, I, th- I think so. Yeah, with goofy sound effects. It's um, 
Uh, there's a joke where John Lovitz, uh, he's in the bedroom with his romantic interest, Tia Carrera. They turn off the lights, and he he's um, he, he thinks he's fingering Tia Carrera, and he's like, oh, gee, this is this is awfully tight. And then she says, what, like, uh, Richard, I, I'm, right, I'm right here. What are you doing? And then you hear a cat meow painfully. Oh, dear. So, uh. It's a joke that leaves a lot to the imagination. You know, if you show that on screen, I don't think you would get an R rating. Um. <laughs> True, and that might have been after the edit. He well, didn't it, know this was rated PG-13, which is sort of surprising. I think you could have gone a bit um, grittier with the comedy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I always, expect, I always expect that from a movie that has the hand of a Zucker in it. The name like Zucker. <laughs> but then, like, he, he kept returning to Saturday Night Live, thank God. Um, yes. yeah. Because he was, he did come back, and there was a joke often that what was that? I was thinking it was like Lauren had said something about how it was kind of sad and pathetic uh, for anybody to keep coming back. <laughs> he would and, never and that leave. sort of offended Lovitz, I think. Yeah, level. that kind of stopped him going back. Well, I mean, and then, just and then, as, yeah, and re- recall on the the fiftieth anniversary of SNL was it the fortieth? I'm sorry, the fortieth. Whatever. Yeah, that pissed was. me off. They uh, did the joke yeah. where John Lovitz was like dead and in memoriam. Yeah, that was audience. that was mean. First of all, that's awful. Even if he was okay with it, I don't yeah. think that was appropriate to do after seeing Hartman and Chris Farley. I think it should have been left with that. Mm. I don't think yeah, it was fair to love it, and I think that downplayed the importance of that reel. Yeah, like you, you might want if you're doing the in memoriam, you might want to start with the joke because there are so many tragic deaths associated with SNL. It's kind of hard to end that with the it laugh. Is. It should yeah. be. Yeah, I never thought about that, but you're right. You know, Belushi. Um, Hartman, Barley. Radner. Oh, Radner. Uh, yeah. Charles Rocket. Yeah. Yes, yeah, who was in Ace Ventura. Ace Vance. Yep. Piscopo's uh, career. Oh. Piscopo in the audience as um, Frank Sinatra during the musical medley made me jump out of my chair. I was not expecting that. It's like it was You thought surprise. Sinatra was going to kill you. Well, actually, we, uh, guys, I am starting my Piscopo podcast. Um, <laughs> oh, I yeah? can talk about that. Because there's a... <laughs> there's, there's infamous one where somebody had made a, a Gene Demangia. I'm not saying that right at all. Demania uh, had made a Twitter account uh, using the name and was basically twittering about bringing the entire cast from her period of producing uh, <laughs> back together. And then he got a tweet. He got a message from um, got a tweet from Piscopo, and it says, "Mitch, is this really you?" And then he stopped because that was like, oh, that's okay. That's kind of sad. I probably should not be doing that. Well, well, the the is the, my understanding. The Pisca podcast. It's a whole podcast where every every week we just rewatch the episode of Star Trek: The Next Generation he's on, and we talk about that. That was an especially bad episode. Um, <laughs> isn't there a podcast that all they did is watch Grown Ups every day, every week for a year? It, yeah, it's called the worst idea in the uh, world, okay. uh, and I believe they're on a second movie now. Well, like, here's a question though: yeah. is is Sean Lovitz really hasn't done anything sci-fi since he was never on Star Trek or uh, Deep Space Nine or any of those that some other people popped up on. No, I mean, I mean, you could, you could argue that movie we talked about earlier is sort of science fiction. Mom well, yeah, Dad Mom and Dad said, yeah, yeah, but I think that was his last foray. I can't think of anything else except for maybe a robot that he owned in the Benchwarmers. That, yeah, that's right. Um, and, and you know, with his his acting style, he certainly could have popped up on Babylon Five, and nobody would have blinked an eye. Um, mm. Right, one thing, or we, we talked Star Trek about, Next Generation. Yeah, sure, exactly. Um, we talked about some of his TV show stuff. 
And um, I'd be remiss not to mention, uh, after Phil Hartman died, um, he popped up on news radio for the final season. Well, he had been on an episode where he played a jumper during Hartman's season because they were friends. He had him on the show and played a guy who was going to jump off the uh, side of the building. And they basically interviewed him and talked him off the ledge. Well, later on, I don't believe it was the same character. They made a completely new character who looks exactly like John Lovitz again and put him in. And then they had, of course, the episode where they had the episode where uh, Andy Dick, uh, his character, would read the letter from uh, Phil Hartman's character of why he would no longer be at the station. And that mm. uh, that was heartbreaking. And I was like, how do you continue a show? How? 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 Do you well, have, that's, how? Th- that's still less awkward than what they did on... Uh, what is it like rules for dating your teenage daughter when John Ritter died? Oh God! And then James oh. Garner took over like that. That uh, was especially, you know, John Lovett, Joel Hartman. They're both buddies on SNL, even though they're they're very different um, actors in in their style. You can sort of, you know, ride the wave for another season. But sure, uh, James Garner, but, while being a good actor, is no John Ritter. Um, that's that's rough. Small Time Crooks was another John Lovett's film. He got to work with Woody Allen. Allen. Yes. And uh, uh, on the ABCs of SNL, he, he talked, and in interviews, he's talked about that he he did an early scene in the movie with Woody Allen, and Woody Allen was talking to John Lovitz, like, oh, you're just one of us guys. And John Lovitz started bursting into tears and had to run off set mm-hmm. because he grew up, you know, as a, as a Jew um, admiring Woody Allen and a, as a fan of comedy, and now he got to work with Woody Allen in, in a big supporting part. And, uh, and at the time, Small Time Crooks was one of Woody Allen's higher-grossing films, which isn't saying much. But um, <laughs> still, you know, I think as far as, like, the, the old time... Oh, taking shots! Woody Allen films are not blockbusters, right? I'm just, that's all I'm saying. I'm not saying the quality of the film. What about, what about Midnight in Paris? That one made a lot of money, yes. And Annie the Hall made a Rose lot of, of money. Cairo. Uh, there you go. Bananas. Those were hits, I tell you. Sylvester Stallone was in Bananas. Um, he also was in Ants, which also starred Woody Allen. That was and- a blockbuster. That wasn't his movie. <laughs> I've always wanted to do a big budget animated feature. <laughs> you know, in, in, in the trailer I say Tukus, but in the movie I say ass. Um, oh, God, that movie. That's an awful... came out the same year as A Bug's Life. And like they're like, you didn't copy our idea, did you? Nope. Nope. We just made it uglier and slower paced with less laughs. God. <laughs> um, it didn't have a walk-in in it. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay, Small Time Crooks. Anyone remember that movie? No. I don't think I've ever seen it. Actually. Really? You know, I, I think you'd enjoy it. Isn't it's, it's about them? It's about them trying to break into a place, right? Yeah, yeah. They're a bunch of like uh, robbers that haven't done a job in a while, and they do what something the hell else. Who else is in that? Uh, um, Tracy Ullman is in it. Yeah, as Woody Allen's wife. Michael Rappaport is in it. Uh, of Allen. course, Michael Rappaport's in it. Yeah, does he play the big dumb guy? I think John Lovitz is kind of the dumb guy in the group, as, as I recall. John Lovitz mentioned something like he he came up with like a thick, weird New York accent for the part, and as soon as he tried it, Woody Allen like said "cut" and walked up to John and says, "Don't do that." <laughs> like don't, just don't normally. It's great. Like he has, he, he he such faith in his actors and his directing ability. He won't talk to anybody about how they're going to perform it until after the cameras are rolling. 
Well, Woody Allen is famously <laughs> minimalist for his directing style. He's even said he's reduced shot setup so he can get finished on time so he can watch the Knicks on TV at home. Wow. Oh, hi. I was just shoveling more red-hot takes into the old Hardcore Gaming 101 opinion furnace. <clears throat> Shaq-Fu has some redeeming qualities. There's a lot of video game podcasts out there, but only HG 101 has the code Jones to objectively, definitively, scientifically rank the top games of all time. No, it's definitely pronounced Co-Jones. HG101's Top Games, twice a week, every week, right here on Greenland. Hey everybody, this is Andrew from Superhero Stuff You Should Know, and we are proud to be the latest addition to the Greenlit Podcast Network. If you're a superhero fan, our show will put your knowledge to the test. Did you know Tim Burton almost made a Batman musical? Or how Superman almost had a love story with his own cousin? That's disgusting. But it's true. We cover it all, mixing clips with commentary, sketches, and impersonations. So tune in to Superhero Stuff You Should Know, available on iTunes, Spotify, and YouTube, and everywhere you get your podcasts. It's impressive, but that, I guess, but hey, he's a genius. He's been doing writing I mean, what and directing. What can say? He's, he's a genius. Writing, he's been writing and directing a movie a year for over a, a See, he's a very a, busy a man. He just doesn't have the time. It's John, just listen. Don't do that. Between getting a mouthful of pork sunyi and uh, whatever else, you know. That I don't li- I like to eat Chinese. I'm just like a regular Jew. Hello. <laughs> That's what we do in New York. I don't uh, do. Jeez. Um, so. Burning bridges. So after, <laughs> after, yeah, Jen Lovitz will be on this show after this episode. Jeez. Well, burning um, bridges. I love her films. <laughs> okay, let, let's keep on. So, so after small time crooks, John Lovitz tends to um, pop up in small parts in a lot of different films. A lot of them with like SNL uh, cast members, such as yeah. the Peeper in the opening five minutes of Little Nicky. Ugh, that movie is a. Oh, God, that movie's... Ugh. You know, I dated a girl whose mom wrote Online Dating for Dummies, and um, huh. and she was she was Jewish, and she kept on saying how Little Nicky was a funny movie. Oh, and, Jesus. And I, and I had to fake laugh, and uh, you met her. She went to your house the one time. Remember oh, I wait, think? is she the one that we saw Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy with? Uh, uh, no, no, not that one. It's the one where she was heavily medicated, and we watched the Evil Dead trilogy. Oh, <laughs> Um, and if you're going to watch that trilogy. Yeah. That is, again, for the lawyers, let's not mention her name. Laura, if you're listening, oh, it happened. Um, By which I mean Stephanie, if you're listening. Uh-huh. <laughs> and if, it, if, if it's you, Stephanie, it's not you, it's the other one. Okay, we're covered. Um, <laughs> it's I, not you, it's the other uh, one. That's going to be the name of my autobiography. <laughs> geez. So I'm looking at this list of John Lovett's films. Uh, Rat Race is one that jumps out to me. Isn't um, it just a, I, effectively it's a mad, 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 mad world? Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah, and originally it was supposed to star like Mike Myers and Jim Carrey, and then they kept on couldn't they couldn't get like the really expensive comedians, so they they end up with like Breck and Meyer and Cuba Gooding Jr. Seth um, Green, Seth Whoopi Green. Goldberg. I, 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 there's a lot of funny moments in the movie, and John Lovitz is pretty good. His whole his whole yeah, thing he's hilarious. It, it, he plays again. He plays a Jewish character who goes to the Barbie Museum, but it turns out it's to like Nicholas Barbie, a renowned Nazi, and then they steal Hitler's crown car to get to uh, where the treasure is. Well, and what is it? He like he accidentally bumps his his head on the steering wheel and gets, yes, like, gets a grease underneath his nose, grease. so it looks like a Hitler, Hitler mustache. mustache. And then he burns his he burns his lips. He burns his tongue on a cigarette lighter, uh, so he can't talk, so it sounds like he's speaking German. Again, how sensitive a movie. 
Huh. But it, you know, it, it tries to be as madcap as it can and doesn't match up to the, the genius of it's a mad, 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 mad world. No, I but, dispute it when you say that that movie's genius, but that's um, an episode of its own. The, the cast in a mad, bad, mad world is genius. Okay, so far as casting can be uh, genius, I will agree with that. And the movie is way too long. Yes. Um, hey, look, it's the Three Stooges. Let's watch them sit for a while. It has a few problems. Uh, just a few. Yeah, just a few. Um, One of those problems' name is Rooney. So looking, oh. looking at this big list of other films he's been in, what are some that jumps out to you guys? Okay, there's one I really, really wanted to talk about because this is another critic connection. So the TV series Stripperella, which I'm pretty sure no one remembers oh, anymore. Wow. Stan Lee uh, created that, right? Yeah. yeah Stan Lee on created Spike it, TV. co-created it. Um, and yeah, it was an animated vehicle for Pamela Anderson where she played a superhero. Well, in one of the earliest episodes, there's a villain named Cheapo who like his deal is he only does petty crimes and he's ridiculously cheap. In the, his original appearance... He is played by John Lovitz, but he ended up becoming her signature villain. So they bring him back a bunch more times, but they couldn't afford to get Lovitz back. So for the rest of the series, after that first appearance, it's voiced by Maurice LaMarche impersonating John Lovitz. Oh, my gosh. And Maurice LaMarche does a damn good Lovitz. Yes, he does. Wow. Um, I I do recall him having a, a bit part in The Stepford Wives. The, yeah. the 2004 film with Nicole Kidman. He plays like the best friend to, um, uh, oh goodness. He plays the best friend in the new community to... Ferris Bueller? Yes. Uh, why can't I think of his name? Matthew Broderick. Yeah. yeah. Matthew Broderick. But he's also married to uh, Bette Midler. <laughs> that's ah, right. That's a that's hell of right. a thing. Yeah, isn't it? That's... Yeah. Uh, um, it's an I interesting feel like just, Like, it's, it's a prime example. There's a joke on one of the critic... Uh, no, on one of the Simpson audio commentaries that John Lovitz is a character that John Lovitz plays 24 hours a day. And this movie, I think, just speaks to that. Right. Um, uh, Lovitz is very funny in one scene in The Producers, the the new one that they did based on the Broadway musical. Oh, yeah. Uh, hmm. So he, uh, I don't know if you've seen the, the, the stage show or the old movie, but it's a scene where, uh, you know, uh, the Matthew Broderick um, character, I'm looking up the character's name, he's played by... Leo Bloom. Uh, Leo Bloom, right. He was played by Gene Wilder in the first one. Um, is at work, he's beleaguered as an accountant, he doesn't really like it, and uh, John Lovitz is his boss, Mr. Marks, who smokes a big cigar and says, what are you doing? You need to work, you need to concentrate, blah, blah, blah. And then Matthew Broderick goes into the, the song and dance tune where it's, uh, I want to be, be a, producer. a producer, have a hit show on Broadway. You know, that <laughs> one. And he also, of course, smokes a big old cigar. Yes. And he also has a big... That's the thing. He looks good smoking a cigar. He does. He would do that on SNL a lot with... Um, it, wouldn't he, isn't there some bit where he played like a 1920s character? There's a famous sketch with him and Phil Hartman. And Phil yeah, Hartman he plays a producer. He plays a, a producer. the Hollywood big wave. It's, like, it's yeah. like Rick Spamosa. I got a picture for you. Science the, the wave of the future. But it's like also that whole thing. Well, he he kind of plays that character in uh, Three Amigos. That's right. I haven't seen that one in a while, but yeah, I think you're right. The idea is it's a studio head okay. who basically is firing Phil Hartman in that sketch. He's played the studio head in that. He plays he plays like these big important characters. Uh, in the Benchwarmers, he's supposed to be like a super rich guy, 
and he was like a nerd. Uh, he was like kind of beat upon when he was a kid, but for some reason he's like super rich now. And he's trying to get his revenge at jocks and such. And it's like seeing a guy like that in power, uh, it's kind of fun. It's like if um, it's like you wish that he would be in one of the Hollywood movies that the Coen brothers have made uh, where Capital Pictures is a thing, uh, like the new one, um, Hail Caesar. Yes, and then, of course, yes. you have uh, Barton Fink. They both revolve around Hollywood. Well, Lovitz just fits kind of a really cool mold of being one of those Hollywood big shots. Like, I got a story for you. I got a deal. We got a picture going. That's right. Yeah. A big old cigar. Um, it just looks right. One film a lot of people might not have seen that John Lovitz co-stars in with Kevin Spacey, of all people, is Casino Jack. It's about what? Jack. It's about Jack Abramoff. Kevin Spacey plays the lead. John Lovitz plays a uh, supporting role. As I'm trying to look up the, actor. I tried to look at that movie and I wound up finding a documentary. And I thought that was the one that I saw. Yeah, I oh, saw a documentary. They, they I didn't did know a they documentary actually had a about Spacey. it, but they made a movie of it. Um, he plays the character of Adam Kidan, who in real life. I think co-owned the Miami Subs um, fast food franchise, but was also involved <laughs> in dirty dealings with Jack Abramoff. Wow. And at one point gets stabbed with a ballpoint pen and gets what the fuck? on his face because of it. But um, John Lovitz is pretty good in it, but he, he kind of plays like a guy that's thinks he's hot shit and too big for his britches. Um, I saw the limited theatrical release of Jay and Silent Bob's super groovy cartoon movie, in which John Lovitz has maybe three lines of dialogue as the mad scientist. Um, sadly, <laughs> since then, John Lovitz has had a falling out with Kevin Smith, and they won't be working together anytime soon. That oh. would explain the lack of episodes of the ABCs of SNL. Yes, and why they took so long to make. Um, if you look around on YouTube, you can, you can listen to a podcast and find out the reason why. It's something complicated involving uh, John, allegedly involving John Lovitz's... At one point, he had a comedy theater... In yeah, LA. John Lovett's Comedy Club. Yeah, com- yeah, it's not it's not around anymore, but he used to have that. What? And Kevin Smith had a um, had a recording studio there, and it was something involving that contract that was a falling out. Oh. And uh, Kevin Smith goes into the gory details on an episode of his podcast, Hollywood Babylon. Um, you can do the research and decide, you know, which which side you're on. If that really matters, I I don't really want to talk about it. But you can, if you want to do Fair. the research, you can come to your own conclusion. Uh, you mentioned, you know, he was in Grown Ups too. Um, he was on a TV show that lasted a, f- a season or two called Mr. Box Office, which I've never seen. Yeah, that completely missed me. It was made for syndication, so uh, perhaps that's why. Um. He's going to be, some upcoming movies he's going to be in is uh, Mother's Day, which is directed by Gary Marshall. He's been directing, he directed Pretty Woman, but he's been directing a series of movies uh, based on holidays like Arbor Day or, or whatever it is. or Flag Day, Boxing Day. Yeah, Fourth of July Day. Uh, he's also going to be in a movie called Killing Hasselhoff that stars I'm there. David Hasselhoff. I have an unironic appreciation from David Hasselhoff, but I would love to see that movie. You gotta appreciate David Hasselhoff because he takes the internet meme and then copyrights it and then sells t-shirts. <laughs> so, um, we got some uh, comments here. Um, I, I did a posting on Facebook and people to mention their favorite John Lovett stuff. 
And um, off on the Pixels and Reels Facebook group, uh, uh, a group of uh, movie fans that I, I follow. And one of them posted The Wedding Singer, and he just posted the picture of John Lovitz looking like a perv from offstage. <laughs> um, he's really funny in that movie. I wish he would have been in it more. They kind of set him up a lot in the beginning, and he doesn't really... Uh, he's not a, a, a recurring character throughout the whole film. Um, someone thought that his best uh, performance on The Simpsons was as Lelwyn Sinclair in the episode A Streetcar Named Marge. Oh, the theatrical director, yes. I have directed three plays and I have had three heart attacks. Some people mentioned High School High. They said Bad Guy and Mom and Dad Save the World, uh, which we mentioned. Also, someone said the greatest weapon of all time, and he cuts to a picture that it, it looks like a grenade that says, pick me up. Yeah, the, the light grenade. The light grenade, yep. Um, uh, someone else mentioned that let's not forget his roles in those classic movies, Grown Ups 2 and The Benchwarmers. Um, perhaps he's being sarcastic, I don't know. And someone else mentions Little Nicky, where he plays a, a masturbating pervert staring at a tree in the beginning. And I, I think he falls off the tree or something. There's some gag that, that happens there. Um... Well, I got one. I got yes. one that he, I like him really in because he's only in a little bit, but he's a really kind of crucial part. And again, David Spade, another SNL friend, Dickie Roberts. That's right. You know, I've never seen that one, but I heard that one was better than some of he the other He plays David his, he, it's much better than people give it credit for. Okay. Uh, he plays his agent and he's trying to get him a, he's trying to get, oh God, I'm trying to remember who the director is now. It's not Gary Marshall. Um, he's trying to get him into some big movie audition and he winds up, spoiler alert, he winds up giving one of his, oh God, now I'm trying to remember if it's his liver or his pancreas. He winds up giving him his, oh, what's the one that everybody gets stolen in Mexico? Kidney. Kidney? Kidney. He winds up giving him one of his kidneys to get Dickie uh, a shot at auditioning for this big movie. And it's all about Dickie Roberts trying to figure out how to be basically a better person in a family since he grew up as a child star and didn't really have the model upbringing. But John Lovitz in it is great as a struggling talent agent who's trying to get his star a really good job. And huh. it's kind of cool. I mean, I think he just does a really wonderful job in that movie. Okay, so this is is weird. I found multiple references to a, a show called Lovitz or Leavitz with John Lovitz, which I can only assume from the cast list is that it was an interview show hosted by John Lovitz. But what I find yes, fascinating it was a podcast is that it shows that there were ten episodes, uh. but that John Lovitz was only on nine of them. <laughs> Did he have a falling out with himself based over a oh, podcast no. recording studio contract and leave his own show? You know, there was a podcast he did. I remember it. Um, he named it after a phrase his dad would use, where as a punchline he'd say, "Love it or leave," or you know, "Love, love it, it or leaves it." Love it or leave. Yeah, leaves it or love it. Whatever it is. And um, one episode he talks to Steve-O. One episode he talked to um, Gary Busey. That one was pretty strange. He talked to Gene Simmons in one, which was not what? an especially good pairing. Um, what is Mister Box Office? It's a syndicated show with the mostly African American cast that John Lovitz. But for Lovitz, yeah, except for Lovitz, it, it appears like. Um, oh wow! Uh, one one thing with Lovitz that you know never got a video release, but you can find it on YouTube, 
is uh, the Simpsons did a live show at the Hollywood Bowl with the different cast members, and they did a lot of uh, musical sequences live. And John Lovitz, to honor Phil Hartman, uh, performed Phil Hartman's part of Troy McClure doing the Planet of the Apes um, song. Oh, yeah. Help. The humans have got to escape. Get your paws, Get your off, paws me, off me, you dirty ape. He can oh, talk, wow, he guys. Can talk, I'm going talk, through a rabbit hole right now. I'm reading all the Yelp. Uh, I'm reading all the Yelp. Uh, Yelp reviews of John Lovitz? Of the John, no, no. Of the John Lovitz Comedy Club. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, or, or, do, do they say the hot wings are good, or are they just negative? Oh, or? God. Okay. Good comedy, unbelievably bad service. Uh, expensive... <laughs> Yeah. Let's see. Uh, it's an outrage. This place is closed permanently. I had some awesome drunken nights there. Um, other people paying for shows that they're giving tickets out for free. A really terrible magic show was there. <laughs> Let's see. Oh, wait. No, no. Okay, wait. Okay. Uh, show. The, the Christian Ford magic show. Uh, I got a Groupon deal for the Christian Ford magic show, which is your first problem there. Um, <laughs> I'd like a when discount I got to the magic walk, show, please. Yeah, and when I got to the city walk, there was people handing out tickets to the show for free. When I got to the box office, I was told there was a two-item minimum, even if it was soda or water. This is not mentioned on the group deal. That is not uncommon for um, comedy clubs when they don't two drink minimum. Uh, yes, and and normally they say it has to be alcohol when all that stuff's overpriced. Um, I mean, I've run into that before, and they give away free tickets when they can't fill the seats. So mm. they're saying the show is terrible. It was late. Magician. In air quotes, magician was going to make an audience member's $100 bill appear from a bag of fake lemons, except the one that he cut open and pulled out the $100 bill from. He didn't really have the powers of Eldritch sorcery. (laughs) Food. I went straight from dinner, so I was on a full stomach and decided to get water and appetizers. Flabbergasted when I received the check and it was over $40. The food was mediocre, mediocre, served in baskets like bar food. On top of that, they went ahead and added an 18% gratuity charge. Which I do see here. Wow. Uh, for chicken wings, half lemon pepper and par. Remember that? is pepper and par. Oh, Parmesan. Uh, $12. That's not terrible. Two arrowhead, whatever the hell that is. I'm guessing water. I think that's $10. One spinach dip, $12. So 34 tax, $2.16. 18% gratuity, $6.12. For total of, yeah, total so of 42 bucks. Yeah. Basically, oh god, sorry guys. No, I'm just I'm going through here because now I really do want to know about that because I I wanted to go if I ever got to California. Uh, Can can we make this a regular part of the podcast where we make a John Lovitz purchase and just break down the receipt? You know, I I I want to point out that I was skimming through these reviews on Yelp of the 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 late John Lovitz Comedy Club, and John Lovitz responded to a review. Oh, from 2011, he said, "Michelle, sorry you had to wait outside when your show is supposed to start." However, it is clearly stated on the website that all shows are subject to change without notice, and this includes start and stop times. With regard to your patron issue, we ran out. Hope to see you again, but if not, please enjoy your comedy at one of the many other clubs in the L.A. area, one of which is right in your neck of the woods. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> <laughs> Even if comedy was in quotation marks. Yeah. There, there... I want to do that anytime there's a profession, just put that in quotation marks. There you go. So I think we've done a great job looking at the career of John Lovitz. Do you have time, Jason, to stay for our other segments on the show? Uh, what other segments do you have? Right. So next we have uh, just a brief news segment, What the Hell Are They Doing? Uh, and this is uh, a bit of news that dropped today. 
Um, it was initially rumored that John Lovitz was engaged to Jessica Loundes. I don't know how to pronounce her name. Lowndes? I think um, it's Loundes. Who the hell is she? <laughs> She's on uh, Beverly Hills. She was on the remake of 90210. Yeah, yeah, the new 90210. <sighs> and and imagine out... our pleasure when we discovered that she was indeed engaged to John Lovitz. But it was a prank just to promote her music video, Deja Vu Remix. I'll post a link in the show notes. And um, that music video stars John Lovitz, in which he receives two blowjobs from her in the music video. Um, Not from a ghost, as I had originally hoped. <laughs> right. So uh, some websites describe the music video as X-rated. It's not, uh, it's not especially Sorry. salacious. If you ever wanted to see John Lovitz make a few blowjob faces... Uh, by that, I mean on the receiving end, not the giving end. Um, oh, uh, no. uh, there you go. Uh, I, 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 in fact, posted a picture on our Twitter feed, at Critic Podcast. If John you, can't, ma- making, you can't handle my raw sexuality. Making one of his faces. His mouth is in the shape of an O, if that matters. Um, so, there you go. Has John Lovitz ever been married? Yeah, well, that's the thing. That, that, I that, don't think that, so. Well, that's the thing that made me suspicious because I was on Twitter when they tweeted the big announcement, and I, thought, and I was I could swear that he was married, and I hadn't heard about a divorce. Uh, but of course, it did turn out to all be a prank. He's dated models and stuff in the past. I know that much, but um... yeah, Angie Dickinson or something. Really? Huh? Yeah, supposedly. Okay. Uh, interesting. Um, I'm trying not to quote Pat Oswalt right yep. now. We're going to move on to uh, another segment, It Stinks. We just talk about a movie we saw that, you know, maybe it got bad reviews or it's not well-respected and, and sort of mm. what are our thoughts on it. So, Jason, let's start with you. What's something you saw recently that, you know, it might not have had the best critical response, but you gave it a shot anyway? And what were your thoughts on it? Wait, I, I don't understand the question. What, what this is our movie review segment. Yes. Just pick the last movie you've seen. Oh God! Oh and Christ! You're gonna make me talk about no. You're gonna make me talk about Superman versus uh, Batman. Yeah, do it. Well, we're not gonna make oh, you, God. but we might as well do it now. Are, are you gonna spoil it or not? Because no, don't... no, I gave it a chance. Um, okay. uh, again, the only thing that's good about the movie, the only thing, and it's not even ah God, I really don't want to talk about it. it. The only thing that's good about it is Ben Affleck. That that that's about how 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 shitty it is. We don't even want to talk about it. But it's like that thing of like, and this is the one thing that I feel bad. I feel weird doing this. Um, I got it from a, a Chinese stream online. I okay. watched it. So it had Chinese um, subtitles. Yes. Why would you mean you went to Grauman's Chinese theater and paid it? To, paid to exactly. See it. I paid to see it. But I, I know a lot of friends of mine have gone to see it, but have paid to go see Zootopia. Huh. Huh. You know, a, a, a people I know have been paying for my big fat Greek wedding and going in. See Superman. You mean my big fat great wedding too? Oh, that's right. Why they didn't title it "My My Big Big Fat Fat Greek Greek Wedding Wedding (laughs) Two? They brought everybody back, but that. But again, like it became once you guys posted about that that famous critic sequence of him talking. What was it? English for uh, cab drivers? Yes. Oh yeah. If if it stinks, don't go. Don't go. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like, I'm not going to go see the movie. And then finally, I kind of had to. I had the chance to see it online, and I, I watched it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, that, uh, that's how I feel. Well, you know, speaking of which, um, Ivan and I want to go see um, Batman v Superman Dawn of Justice, which is quite a mouthy title. 
But uh, she had never seen Man of Steel, and I've heard it was important to see Man of Steel before watching the new one. You yeah, you know what the hell they're talking about. Right. I mean, um, so uh, we uh, I had a, a used copy I got for cheap of Man of Steel sitting around the house. So we watched that, and it was not as bad as I remembered the first time around. I still think that the Krypton stuff is the best stuff in the movie, and the stuff with um, Clark Kent as a child is, is, is somewhat compelling. Mm-hmm. Well, those of you who listen to the sequel cast may remember that I read my the, my review of Man of Steel on the on the podcast. Uh, the review in which I used the phrase giant flared cockhead 16 times. And he wasn't just talking about the spaceships taking off of Krypton. Oh, yeah. It was every version of every meaning that could possibly have is represented in that movie. That's why uh, that is why uh, I, 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 I urge people to stay away from Batman v Superman colon Dawn of Justice, lest I have to write a new review that uses that phrase 30 or more times. I actually had an argument with a friend because we were talking about how Superman is. There's always that joke about Superman fighting a giant spider, and he was saying, "I would rather see world, that." He said that the world builders were spider-like, and I'm like, no, they weren't. They had tentacles and they had four legs. Even if they were, they were more crab-like than they were spider-like. And also, spiders have eight. And I basically threatened him if he ever talked to me about spiders again without knowing his shit, I would kick his ass. <laughs> You gotta know your arachnids, man. Well, speaking of which, yes. I have not seen this, but it's popped up on Showtime recently. Um, there is a documentary about Superman Lives. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and, and it had a Kickstarter for it. I, I have not seen this yet, but I know it's popped up on Showtime. And it's called um, "Death of Superman Lives." The Death of Superman Lives. What happened? <laughs> That's the whole title. <laughs> and um, they interviewed. I wish every movie based on a true story had that in there. Yeah, uh, and they interviewed uh, Tim Burton, you know, Kevin Smith, who's one of the writers on it. They talked to almost everyone except for Nicolas Cage, but then Tim Burton gave them footage of Nicolas Cage in costume concepts as Clark Kent and Superman. Um, I've heard it's quite good. It it runs uh, a little shy of two hours. (laughs) And it's directed by John Schnepp, who's worked on such adult swim cartoons as Metalocalypse. That is cool. And Space Ghost. So there you go. Um but he was obsessed for years with this Superman Lib story, and he you know, do not be. Yeah, and he eventually, you know, met a guy at a party that I think did the costumes for the film or something, and and through that, you know, made he spent years and years making this documentary and got money on Kickstarter. Um, you know, I really feel now you can see it on Showtime. So sometimes some of the most fascinating movies are the ones that never got made. Yeah, there's a great documentary. Um, well, this was a movie that got made, but it's not a good movie. There's a documentary on Highlander 2, The Quickening, called Ooh. Seduced by Argentina. Oh. That's on the uh, on the more recent DVD or Blu-ray. And basically, like, everyone just says what a pile of shit that movie was. But did they go into why and how it happened? Yes. Oh, good. Um, what about, I got another one for you. What about Island of Lost Souls? Oh, that's a good one. Is that the one about the Dr. Moreau? Yes. Yeah. I, I did see amazing. that one. That was a great one. Have you seen that one, Jason? Uh, I haven't. I want to because I'm a big fan of Feruza Bulk. And that, uh, and, God, and, that and, just And she's it. in it. Yeah, she, she talks about it. She's pretty what, frank. I wish they would have talked to Val Kilmer, who was apparently a big dick on the set. Yeah, that's probably why they weren't able to get him for the movie. 
Well, the, the thing that I find so fascinating about that is the wonderful section where when the d- original director and screenwriter got banned from the set and they just kind of put him up in this like resort <laughs> place, how at one point a friend of his who was still working on the movie lent him a full-body dog monster costume and he spent a day walking around the set. No, well, you've got that wrong, though. Here's the thing. He wasn't put up in an estate anywhere near. They fired him and told him to go fuck off. He went into the jungles and was living there that's for a right. month. Oh, that's right. In like a tree house. And they found him on the property. And somebody, like, they were, like, still kind of loyalish to him. So they brought him back and hid him for, like, a week of shooting in a dog costume. It's the most, it's like, oh, it's so cultish. It's so, uh, how do you, oh, man. It's like your friend, hey, where have you been? I'm living in the jungle. Do you want to come back to set and see how much they're fucking up? <laughs> yes, that would help my sanity. We're gonna have to put you in a dog costume. That could also that help my sanity. And then, it, and now that director, um, oh shoot, now if I can remember his name, uh, Richard Stanley, he worships a ghost in an old French monastery. So, allegedly, for the lawyers, allegedly goes and worships <laughs> a ghost in a French monastery. Well, the director they brought him to replace him was John Frankenheimer, who did such, uh, you know, classic movies as um, The French Connection Two. Prophecy and um, the Iceman Comet. Manchurian Candidate, Birdman of Alcatraz. Those are probably better yeah, to yeah. say. So, I mean, Good you know, a well respected director that was put in a bad situation. But um, after he left, after they fired him, he destroyed all of his notes. Yes. <laughs> what a badass. Well, and then his original screenplay was a lot more sexual and violent than um, what we saw in the, the final picture. A lot more puppet heavy. Yes, yeah, a lot more of the, the creatures. Um, and a lot less of that little midget guy. I love talking about movies with you guys. <laughs> Definitely. Um, I, have so, I have a Joker smile on my face right now. <laughs> so, Will, what's a movie you've seen recently that you want to talk about? Well, I wanted to watch something, and so I decided to go back to something I hadn't seen in a while that had a Lovitz connection uh, for this episode, so I rewatched The Stepford Wives. Had, had you seen the original? Y- you know, I actually have it, and I've had... Huh a copy of the uh, an old printing of the paperback with my collection of sci- old sci-fi paperbacks for like the past 2 years and I all it's one of those books that I always mean to sit down and read but I haven't yet. Well that's weird because I know that to be one of your fetishes roboticized women. Yes, although I didn't know we would talk about that on this show, but go ahead, ask away. But but given that, how do you think, you know, what did you think of the I don't know if you want to call it a remake or whatever it is of Stepford Wives. Well, it's a movie based on the same source. Well, okay, there are there are parts I like, and I feel like when the movie begins, it is trying to set up a, a nice story that explores traditional gender roles and really has something to say. However, as the movie progresses, you can see all of that get lost by constant rewrites and reshoots. Yeah. The movie can never make – because one of the strengths of the original Stepford Wives film is that they never quite pin down what is happening to the women in Stepford, uh, and they use that ambiguity to really play up the horror. In this movie, the quote-unquote logical explanation for everything seems to change every 15 minutes or so. It's sad. It's, it's a, like it's either either they are robots or they have a chip that makes them into robots or something. I've got the best story though for it. I saw that in the theater, yes, and as I left the theater, uh, I le- as I left the theater, um, I said, uh, "I can't believe." Spoiler alert: Christopher Walken was the robot, 
and I hear all these groans behind me, and I'm walking out, and my friend hits me and says, "Jason, those people are waiting in line to get in." <laughs> and here's my here's my here's my argument there. Why were they waiting in line to see Stepford Wives? Why was anybody <laughs> waiting in line to see that movie? There's certainly no line when we got our tickets. You know, I have a similar story of um, I saw Rain of Fire when that was in theaters. Oh, so uh, did I. Yeah. That was a weird day. Yeah, a, a dragon <laughs> movie starring Matthew McConaughey and Christian Bale. Um, I saw it with my girlfriend at the time. We both, uh, five minutes in, we knew the movie was a dog. So we just talked through the whole movie. And there was an older middle-aged couple that was quite upset with us. And they, the, the, um, they were man, sitting between you. Well, no. Um, the, the man of the couple actually <laughs> waited outside the theater door for me to walk out. Oh, wow. And said, you know, you ruined this movie experience. You talked through the whole movie. And, uh, you know, how could you do this to me and my wife? We're very upset. And I said... Um, I actually didn't say anything to let my girlfriend speak for me, <laughs> <laughs> which is the coward's way out. But I, I, I thought it was quite pathetic. I, I might have said something like, well, you could have, you know, moved to another part of the theater. We weren't so close to us. <laughs> but, I mean, it was just um, such a... Yeah, did they ever ask you to to keep it down? No, that's the thing. <laughs> so it's, it's, one of those, it's one of those people who never does anything to improve the situation just so they can be extra angry when it goes to hell. <laughs> It makes me kind of wish I would have waited in the theater as long as possible to see if they would have waited outside as long. Well, see, as I've used fire exits to escape those kinds of confrontations. <laughs> Although, okay, so when I saw Rate of Fire, uh, I don't know how this happened. Uh, so it was it was a, a a woman that I was dating. We went to see it, and somehow we were at the only theater in the nation that was packed. Huh. The, only place what? where we could sit was in the oh, completely full, even though we were there early. We ended up sitting in the exact front row with our necks all the way back to see the screen. I think that actually helps the viewing experience. It's like when you put a rock in your shoe to press uh, your, the sensitive nerve endings of your foot into when you're being tortured to help withstand the torture. The pain in our necks was helping to survive the pain of the movie. All that movie did was make me wish I was watching Star Wars because they tried to show me Star Wars. They actually do a Star Wars joke in there, don't they? Yeah, well, after in the post-apocalyptic world, they're putting on a they're putting on a play for a group of children, but the play is Star Wars. But they can't use for legal reasons. They can't use any of the character names for Star Wars, so it's just like the Young Knight and the Black Knight, and they do the whole Bestman fight scene. And he gets his hand cut off and goes, "I am your father," and he has this black bucket on his head, and they're fighting with mops that have been painted uh, green and red to look like lightsabers. That must have been a depressing day on the set where they called Lucasfilm for permission and they said no. No, he said no. All right. Well, uh, well those I'm... were probably ILM dragons now that I think about it. Well, Jason, uh, thanks for being on the show. We'd love to have you on again. Yeah, thank you guys. I'm glad I, yeah, it's been a while since I've been able to do this. I'm yeah, really, absolutely. really glad I was able to get on. And let's go to our final segment, Buy My Book, um, in which we pimp whatever we have to pimp uh jason do you have a website or something uh no i would like to uh it's a little early for me to talk about uh, we're planning a improv festival for savannah georgia i'll be able to get the information a lot uh sooner to the event we're still in the planning phases 
Are you part of a improv troupe or something like that, or is it? Actually, yeah, I can I can uh, pimp out uh, oddlot.org or uh, oddlot. Uh, oh God, what the hell is it? Dot sex dot usenet. No. It should take me to. Oh, dang it. I'm not seeing an odd lot. Let's see. Odd. No. Hold on. This makes uh, it should come up. Days. It should come up. Oddlotproductions.com. I see. Yep, there it is. Savannah's and That's the improv group that I'm a part of. Team. Just celebrated our six-year anniversary. Uh, got to host for that show. It was really fun. And I will be up in Jersey. Uh, I will probably go take uh, some time to go to New York and see some of the sites that are featured on the opening credits to The Critic. Ooh, such as the Guggenheim. In the World Trade Center. Oh, wait. Oh, oh, fuck. <laughs> it is not too soon. No, but I think that is a good place to, uh, to leave that. Um, yeah, thanks, guys. Talk to you soon. Thank you, man. Sure. Okay, and um, Will, what about you? Well, uh, my own thing, uh, this is not the only bit of uh, new media I'm involved in. I'm also the uh, producer and co-host of a gaming webcast, uh, D-Infinity Live. Uh, you can watch that. Uh, well, you can watch uh, the entire episode archive on d-infinity.net. It's a gaming website. We have gaming blogs, product reviews. Uh, we also post original game content by myself uh, and other uh, other authors such as Michael Ovarhola, Clint Staples, Chris Van Dielen, Brendan Cass, among others. Uh, and it's it's generally it's a live uh, it's normally it's a live gaming podcast where we just talk about issues in tabletop gaming and we have a, most of the show taken up with answering uh, questions submitted by our viewers. But the reason I want to bring it up now is that we're having a format change on the show. What's the uh, format change? Well, the format change. We're still going to do the uh, the gaming topic episodes with the with the answering the audience uh, audience questions. Uh, we are going to do those on the first and third Thursday of uh, every month. And of course, these always go out nine o'clock uh, Eastern Standard Time is the live stream. The archive is always available, uh, but. On the last Thursday of the month, we're going to do live plays. We're going to take some tabletop game, and we're all going to play it live on the air uh, for your for your own amusement. But the biggest change is on the second Thursday of every month, we're going to do challenge episodes. Uh, myself and my other ho- co-hosts, we're going to come up with a gaming challenge that the other hosts have the rest of the month to try to do. And then we talk about how we did that challenge. Very good. So a bit- and, uh I don't want to give it all away, but our first gaming challenge, which should be going up on the uh, second uh, Thursday of next month, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on d-infinity.net, will in some way involve the game of Scrabble, but not in the way you think. Great. Um, Also, let's see, uh, you can, and where can they follow you on Twitter? Oh, yes, you can also follow me on Twitter, at Internet Mayor. You can follow uh, this podcast, uh, at Critic Podcast on Twitter, also on Facebook, facebook.com slash the critic podcast. Um, we have some special stuff coming up on the show for you. We recently did an interview with the co creator of the critic, Al Jean. Oh, it's going to be so good. We're going to put that on an upcoming episode. But uh, next week's episode is going to be about the um, show Emma's for Mother. And as a guest, we're having Alex Miller, who writes for Battleship Pretension. Very nice. 
You might recall we had him on the finale for the sequel cast as George Lucas Boyg for the Shecky Spielboyg uh, segment. I wonder what I wonder what Shecky's up to right now. I, I'm sure we'll find out uh, next week on Thermometer critiquing the critic. The um, Algene episode will go on on the episode following that. So look forward to that in a few weeks. Um, my Twitter account at m a t w b t, and uh, yeah, that's you know that's about it. Um, we've been doing the show about a month so far, and it's uh, real fun to see uh, the reactions from uh, the listeners. You know, every once once and again on Twitter, we'll get a tweet from someone we don't even know that says, "Oh my God, I'm so excited! There's a critic podcast." <coughs> My voice is going. Um, do you want to wrap this up, Thrasher? Uh, yeah, just that it's you know it's always good to hear from hear from our listeners. We love hearing about you, uh, hearing fr- from you, hearing about you. Uh, we'd love to get your comments uh, on the episodes as we do them. We'd love to share your opinions on our show. Uh, and beyond that, you know, you keep listening. We'll keep cranking them out until there's no more critic to be had. Uh, so until then, I am William Thrasher. And this is uh, Matt Bradley Shergi. If you want to support the show, um, consider making a monthly donation at patreon.com slash M-A-T-W-B-T. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash M-A-T-W-B-T. So, so I guess with... I'm saying, uh, I'm John Lovitz. I've had quite the career. I'm going to be on The Celebrity Apprentice this fall on NBC with Arnold Schwarzenegger as the host. Yeah, we didn't even get a chance to talk about that. Um, John Lovitz is an interesting choice. They usually have a comedian or something on there, and uh, they, they sometimes do better than you expect. Well, I, he I, was really good on Sing Your Face Off. So. That, oh, we didn't mention that. Let's talk about that for a minute. That was oh, great. Okay. That was a, a show that uh, was a remake of a Mexican show. It's hosted by John Barrowman, Captain Jack himself. Yeah, you know, sadly, it um, only lasted one season, I think, because it was pretty expensive to produce. Uh, as, I, as I understand, the ratings weren't bad, um, but it had celebrities like John Lovitz. Uh, they would go in the makeup chair and dress to look kind of like a celebrity, but also have to perform in the style. And he did Billy Idol in one episode. He did Pavarotti. Um, he did, uh, he did uh, an LMFAO. You could tell this is the first he'd ever heard of LMFAO when he's doing the song. Yeah, he did uh, Meatloaf, in which they made him wear a nose appliance that made him look less like Meatloaf, um, <laughs> which is kind of strange. Uh, but yeah, no, he lasted on the show pretty, uh, I think in the semifinals or something. It didn't quite make it at the end. But um, I, I wish that, that show would have kept on going, because it, it was, um, you know, celebrity karaoke, but with the makeup aspect. Uh, I, I guess, you know, the, a version of that that's more successful is um what's the one on spike tv hosted by lo cool j oh is that that lip sync battle lip sync yeah lip sync battle Th- that shows good for producing youtube clips yeah but this one people actually did the singing i think um for senior face off which i i always find is more interesting than lip syncing although on senior face off they do have elaborate um uh choreographed routines they often do yes so again follow us on uh twitter at Critic Podcast, uh, I'm at M-A-T-W-B-T. Thrasher is at Internet Mayor. And tune in next week where we'll talk about the Critic episode, Dial M for Mother with special guest Alex Miller. Sir, the show's over. You're going to have to leave the theater.
Get away, zip face. See, your love your lovets is better than mine. Uh, yeah, maybe we should reverse those next week. Yeah, uh, I think I can do a better Alan Rickman, though. You believe you can, Mr. Potter? Hello, Harry Potter. You've got to wave your magic wand and make me turn into a dead person. John McClane thinks he can die hard. By Grabnor's hammer. <coughs> I'll get you, Robin Hood. I'm about to die from my coughing, so (laughs) good night, listeners. That was fun. I like that. That's phenomenal.